Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 187. Part of being an entrepreneur means putting on your customer service hat and serving people well. But what happens when things go bad? Nobody ever talks about them, right? Like what implications does it have on not just your business, but your life? And how do you pull yourself out of those situations and use them to sincerely grow? Now, I'll be honest, in my seven years of entrepreneurship, I can count these awful, horrible, rotten experiences on one hand, maybe two if I took some time to really remember the things that I've likely blocked from my memory. But when I look back, those were some of the best growing moments in my business, even if those times were rough, like really rough. And so today I want to break down some of the worst experience that have happened to me as an entrepreneur and then shed a light on what ultimately ended up being learned along the way. Now, I know, I know it's so frustrating to hear from people that are ahead of you when they share these awful experiences and then say, but I wouldn't change a thing because I learned so much. But the truth is, is that I want to share these experiences with you because chances are you've had them too. And maybe you've been ashamed or felt guilt in them because nobody else talks about them. But I want to remind you, just like I did in episode number one when I started this show, is that it is okay to just show up, to come as you are, to not have it all together, and to learn. And so today I am reliving some of those experiences that I have been dying to forget in hopes that it just really helps you share that human side of entrepreneurship. Because at some point, if you are chasing your dreams, you are going to face an experience like these. Now, before we dive on in, I want to read the review of the week. It is from Lauren W. Photography, and it is titled Genius Meets Your Best Friend. Listen, y'all, Jenna is an absolute genius, but also feels like your best friend. She really is making waves and changing the creative world. It's incredible. She packs the Gold Digger podcast with so many amazing tips, tricks, and advice and insight and all around outstanding content. I've been following Jenna for years and I'm still learning so much from her. She has a heart of gold and totally bridges the gap between being selfless and giving and also being profitable. 
Thanks for changing so much of my creative, social, and business mindset, girlfriend. You are next level. Thank you so much, Lauren. And let me tell you guys, it's a little awkward to read these things that are said about me. But every time that I do it, it just reminds me that I am showing up for you. It is so easy when I see the numbers to not be able to imagine the faces and the people that are tuning in. And so if you are somebody that has tuned in that is wondering, how can I support this show? How can I help Jenna continue to bring free content to the masses? I have one simple task for you today. Pause this podcast and leave a review. I know, I know you probably think I'll do it later. I know I'll do it later, but I want to challenge you right now. If you can just take 10 seconds and leave a five-star rating or whatever rating you want to give, it truly does help us to continue to put out this education for free. And it really encourages me to just show up raw, real, and authentic so that you can learn from the mistakes that I've made. So without further ado, let's talk about my five worst client experiences and what they've taught me. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru, Jenna Kutcher, will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. You guys, Skillshare is amazing, and I want to thank them for sponsoring this episode. Skillshare is offering you a limited-time offer of two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. To sign up, head to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger to get two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. That's crazy. You can't miss it. Major thanks to one of my favorite snacks, RX Bar, for supporting Gold Digger Podcast today. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar with no BS. Get 25% off your first order at rxbar.com slash gold digger and use the promo code gold digger. That's rxbar.com slash gold digger, promo code gold digger. I bet you didn't think I've had a lot of awful client experiences. Or maybe you did think that. I don't know. But I think that it's really important to share some of these stories because a lot of times when we're walking through the valleys of entrepreneurship, we forget that other people have been here before us. And so I'm going to kick this one off with one of the first bad experiences I ever had. I was still working at Target and I worked with a bride who came back after the wedding was done and wanted a refund. Now, I've never shared this story publicly, probably because I've willed myself to forget about it, but it's time to share one of my first weddings ever and how the bride, it just wasn't the right fit. And there were red flags from the beginning. There usually is. And I totally ignored them because I was just starting out. I needed work. I was willing to bend in any requested direction in order to get my start as a wedding photographer. So let me paint the picture for you. Now, this bride was really hard to communicate with. I'm telling you, I would send out all of my info and I'd get a one-line email back with misspellings. That probably was red flag number one. Number two, they didn't want to pay my prices, so they asked me for discounts. And guess what? I gave them one. 
they were just having a reception and they only needed me for a few hours. And so, of course, I said yes. Now, I didn't get to meet them in advance. I didn't sit down over coffee to explain my process because let's be honest, at the time, I didn't even really have a process. I was burning the candle on both ends, working at Target 50 plus hours a week. I kind of want to say like 60 hours a week. And I was trying to juggle all of the things, but I knew that I needed to get a portfolio up. I knew that these people had reached out and I just said yes. Now I showed up for the wedding and the couple was actually in a fight. The groom had gone golfing that morning and he wasn't ready yet. And so the bride was very frustrated and angry It was the middle of the day. The sun was so bright. I didn't go and scope out locations in advance. By the time the groom showed up, we were hours behind our schedule. They weren't too happy with one another. And so getting them to pose for romantic photos was not really easy. We didn't have things like a family list for photos. They honestly didn't really want a lot of pictures. After the wedding, I had sent over their gallery and I did the very best I could. But when you're trying to photograph people who are in love, who are fighting, it's not the easiest feat, especially when you're just starting out. Now, I remember just all of these things happening at that event. I remember the groom yelling at a bartender. I remember the bride trying to micromanage every vendor. I remember just feeling so small and insignificant and just trying to take as many pictures as I could to help show their day. Now, after the wedding, I sent over the photos. They were seemingly happy, but a month or two later, I got an email saying she wanted a refund. I remember it was like daggers to my new wedding photographer heart, and I didn't really know what to say back. Sure, I had a contract, but it wasn't super in-depth, which, by the way, if you don't have a good contract, go to jennacutcher.com slash contracts and see what I have to say about them, because mine would not have stood up in a court of law. I reached out to the wedding planner from that event, just kind of checking in and seeing how everything had gone for them after the wedding. And it turns out that the couple, they weren't doing very well. And so I think they were trying to recoup some of the expenses that they had from their day. Now, I'll be honest and say that the gallery I delivered wasn't the most beautiful thing I've ever sent to a client. It was probably my fourth wedding ever. And I didn't really know what I was doing fully, but I knew that I had done the very best I could and I knew that I had delivered exactly what I had told her I would. So what did I learn from this experience? Well, I was bawling. I called my mom. I said, mom, I don't know what to do. They want their money back. I did the best I could. Like, I don't know if I can do this. My mom told me I had a few options. You know, I could tell them no and stand behind my work. I could refund them in full and go on with life. But I knew that the work that I had done was worth something. So what I ended up doing at the time, and I'm not quite sure if I would do much differently, is I sent them a couple hundred dollars in the mail and kind of said, this is where our paths are going to go in different directions. I wish you nothing but the best. And that was that. Now, what did I learn from this experience? Like I said, I've never really talked about this one because I think I was so fresh and so fragile that I kind of forgot about it. 
But I learned the power of setting expectations and how to do that with clients so that they knew what to expect and you were able to deliver what you promised. I also learned that it's important to listen to your gut. Those red flags, mm, they're probably accurate. And I wish that I would have really stuck to what I believe from the very beginning. These clients weren't really my ideal clients. And yet I was so fixated on trying to make it work that there were no expectations and we weren't genuinely the right fit. Going back to expectations, if you want to know how you can set better expectations with your clients, go to episode number 25. Yep, go back to the beginning. Because in that episode, I share all the different ways that you can do that in every step of the process. And truth be told, I didn't really have a great process at that point of my career. Now, I want to also point out that when you are starting out, these mistakes they're going to pave the way for you to make the right decisions. And so I learned so much from this experience. I learned about consistency in my work. I learned about painting a very clear picture of what I needed from my clients in order to deliver the types of images they saw on my website. I learned how to communicate a lot better and how to stand up for myself. But I also learned that sometimes that heartache and that headache, it's not worth it. I've often spoken about the gut game on this show. And basically, your gut game is when your gut is telling you to run in the other direction, you should probably listen to it. And so that was probably the biggest thing I learned is that I had a leery feeling in my gut and I didn't listen to it. And I've had that feeling time and time again as an entrepreneur. And I've gotten so much more in tune with that feeling, which has saved me a lot of headaches and a lot of heartaches. Now, I have shared this story, number two, on the podcast, but I'll recap it for you because it's legitimately every photographer's worst nightmare. And I just want you to know, I've been there. I'm not proud of it, but I've been there. I deleted an entire memory card from a wedding. It was the worst. Now, when I talk about it, even to this day, six years later, I still feel like I'm going to throw up. It was the first year shooting weddings, and I had a wedding season with 25 weddings. I had one of the most incredible couples on planet Earth, and I was shooting their wedding day alone. They didn't opt to do a first look. They were really, really keen on having their ceremony just be so special to them. And so I did as much as I could ahead of time. I did photos of all the guys, photos of the girls, photos of the bride and groom separately, and I was just really, really honored to be a part of their day. Now, I went to the ceremony, we photographed the ceremony, and afterwards we went to this cornfield and the sun was setting and we did all of the wedding party portraits and the pictures of the two of them. That night, as I was photographing the first dances, my memory card filled up. And so I quick ran to my camera bag, grabbed another memory card, formatted it and started shooting. Little did I realize I was shooting over all of the images that I had taken in that cornfield at sunset all of the portraits of the bride and groom. Now, I didn't realize my mistake until I got home and I started uploading and backing up all of my cards. I did have systems, guys. Like I wasn't helter-skelter. And I realized I'm missing a card. 
So I scoured my car. I scoured my camera bag. Drew and I actually even drove back to the venue. I called the limousine driver. I called the venue. I said, guys, I'm missing a memory card. Here's what it looks like. Tell me if you find it. And I was desperate. Now, the next day we go back to the venue. I'm literally crawling on the floor, crawling through the parking lot. And we can't find it. And it was then that I realized, oh my goodness, I think I shot over those photos. So we went home, ran a recovery software. I was able to recover a few of the images, but alas, I had lost about 200 photos from their wedding day. I was devastated. I mean, that doesn't even sum it up. I was depressed. I didn't want to get out of bed. I felt so terrible. I bawled and bawled and bawled and bawled. I did not want to be a photographer anymore. Have you guys ever been through anything like that? As you're chasing your dreams and you are just so discouraged and you're like, this is not worth it. I cannot do this. I cannot go on because that's where I was. I remember calling the couple. I had posted their blog preview without any of the portraits and they had loved it. Truth be told, I was only missing about an hour of their day, but it was a very important hour and I would never downplay my mistake. And so I told them the truth right away. I didn't I didn't hold back. I didn't keep it a secret. I needed to let them know what was going on. And by the grace of God, they forgave me. I still can't believe it to this day. I'm actually still friends with them. They were the most graceful people I've ever met, and I'm so incredibly thankful for that. But I learned so much from this experience, probably more than I learned from almost any other experience. I learned that I had to have systems for everything, how I prepare for wedding days, where my memory cards go, how to differentiate which ones are full or empty, what systems I'm using on wedding days. It also made me have a second shooter for every single wedding ever since. Like, I have never shot a wedding solo again. That was a mistake. I need to have somebody else with me. I need to have another camera. I need to have another set of eyes. I need to have another set of memory cards. I also learned that I have to slow down. I have to be prepared for anything and everything. It changed how I carried my gear, where I left it, how I stored it. It changed my entire backing up process of the images. But I also learned this one very, very critical thing. You have to, you have to work with people who believe the best in you. Now, my clients They were so incredibly kind and gracious and forgiving. And I remember just calling them and crying and apologizing. I had exhausted every effort to recover the images, to get other images. I remember just being so humbled by the way that they said, it's okay. Mistakes happen. Obviously, this sucks, but it's okay. And I realized like from that first experience that I just shared to this one, I'd figured out who my people were. I want my clients to know that I'm human, to know that I will do everything in my power for them, to know that I will show up and do the best, but mistakes happen. And let me tell you, before you think that I've messed up a bajillion other times, which I have, but not this royally You have to look at these times as these experiences that you can either move forward from or stay stuck in. 
And these clients showed me the ultimate grace, but they also showed me that I had grown so much in attracting the right people into my life, the people that believe the best in me. Now, I offered to move heaven and earth for them. I literally have offered them free photos for life, and I truly will stand behind that. I've photographed them twice since this happened. I've met up with them on a vacation. Like They are still a part of my life, and their forgiveness has taught me so much more than I could have ever imagined. But as an entrepreneur, whether you're a photographer and you're peeing your pants listening to this or not, mistakes are going to happen. And you have to own up to them. You have to learn how you can face them head on. And then you have to figure out a plan, dust yourself off, and never let anything like that happen again. And I look back at that first season as I'm sitting here seven seasons later, and that was a time that could have broken me. I mean, I felt broken. I felt like I couldn't do this ever again. But at the same point too, I said, I've got to learn from this. I've got to learn from this. It didn't just happen in vain. Now, lastly, again, contracts, guys, like have a contract in place that protects you, but also protects your clients. Because a lot of times when you're starting out, contracts are just these scary legal documents and you're worried about sending them to people. But it's more of an expectation setter for when situations do arise. And so I was so thankful at this point that I did have a contract. I learned my lesson from example number one, and I did have a contract in place for when situations like this were to happen. And I know that sometimes contracts are scary because you're putting in things that you pray to God will never happen. But let me be proof. Things are not perfect. I've messed up. And I want this episode to just show you how you move through those situations. Number three is this, and I can't think of any specific example of this, but I have quite a few of them. This is the person who hated my education my courses. Now, if you do any sort of online teaching, you are bound to get a person who thinks that what you teach is absolute garbage and they want their money back. And now coming from a girl with a refund rate of less than 1%, I am pretty darn confident that my courses are filled with good tactical information and they truly help people. But trust when I say it is not always easy to hear from the people who sincerely want to hate on the content you worked so hard to create. Now, I have taught thousands and thousands of students in my online courses over the last few years. But that first time I got a refund request, my heart sank and I immediately questioned everything. What am I teaching? Do I even know what I'm talking about? Why do I believe that I'm qualified to do this? I remember when I was talking with someone in the industry and we were talking about launching courses and she asked me, she said, Jenna, who is going to handle the support for your course? And I said, well, of course I am, silly. And she warned me. She said, I really think you need to get help and I need you to understand that there are going to be unhappy people but I don't want them to threaten to steal your shine. And so if you can have help and have help serving your people well and handling those not so happy clients, it is going to help protect you so that you can keep putting out good things into the world. And that advice was well warranted because she was entirely right. The first time that someone wanted their money back for content that they had consumed, that I had created, 
I was devastated. I wanted more information from them. I wanted to know how I could serve them better or where I went wrong. Unsatisfied customers can be a wealth of information, but they can also make you really upset. And so here is what I've learned from these experiences. Refunds, they can't mean failure. They don't have to mean failure. I learned from James Wedmore. He had a podcast all about refunds that totally shaped the way that I started looking at them. And what he said is that if you are not getting any refunds, you're not casting your net wide enough. Like you are not reaching a broad enough audience with your message or offer. And that really changed the way that I started to look at this because basically he's saying, if you are only getting your course out to those perfectly ideal clients, those ones that you write those avatars about, you're probably missing all of those people on the fringe that your content could help. And so when I started to look at refunds as like, hey, that less than 1%, those are the people who genuinely probably weren't the right fit. But guess what? If I didn't get this message out there, the 99% of other people that the content was for, they might be missing out too. And so you want to make sure that you look at refunds in a different way, that you reframe the refund because you want to reach a broad audience with your message or your offer, knowing that, hey, some of these people aren't the right fit, but I am going to reach more of those people that this was created for if I can cast a wider net. Now, there are always going to be people who don't think like you do. And so I have told my team from day one, I want for you to use your judgment and to honor what they are saying and feeling. If we have the opportunity to learn from them, then let's do it. But if it's just crap cast out on you due to their own insecurities or fears, we have to let it go. My team from the very beginning has known that I want them to treat my business like they would their own. I want for them to listen to these requests and to make sure that they're valid, to serve our customers and our clients well, but to really pay attention. Is there things we could be doing better? Is there things we could change? Were we not communicating the offer clear enough? Or is it just somebody that's not happy with their own life that's trying to project that onto ours? Now, I think that whatever industry you're in, it's so important to set up boundaries that protect your heart. And for me, I needed to be protected from refunds. And so I have my team handle them using their best judgment. And I want to be able to trust them to process refunds and to follow up with any requests using the process that we've created. But I kind of want to be left out of it. Because if I see that stuff come through, it can really impact my confidence. It can impact the way that I feel about the content. It can really make me want to kind of crawl into a corner instead of stand up on the rooftop. And so I have really had to set up systems that can help protect me from feeling those things that you will feel when somebody says, I want my money back. Now, we also have created ways that we can ask for feedback from our students to keep track of questions, where they're getting stuck. And we have created ways that we can update the content so that we can make sure my courses are the best ones out there. And so I've learned that refunds can teach you a lot about any holes that you might have in a program or pitch. So it's super good information to have. 
And if you haven't caught on to Atheme yet, we have contracts in place and terms and conditions with our courses that walk people through the refund process, what they're eligible for, what it looks like, how they need to submit it, and when they need to submit it by. And so again, contracts coming up in discussion here, but they are made to protect you and to protect your clients. And I love that fact. And so when we look at refunds, when it comes to courses, it was something that threatened to just legitimately stop me in my tracks. But now I say, are there any themes that we're seeing? Is there anything we could do better? Is there a way we could present the offer differently or walk people through the system easier? And so this year, I've just devoted my time and my knowledge into updating all of our courses. I want our courses to be the best courses out there. And that is only possible through the knowledge of our students and the way that they're working through that content. And with that comes that lovely 1% of refunds. So thankful for our sponsor, RX Bar. RX Bar is a protein bar made with 100% whole ingredients and no BS. No bad stuff like added sugar, artificial colors or flavors, preservatives or fillers. RX Bars are made with a few simple and clean ingredients where every ingredient serves a purpose, like egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, and spices like sea salt or cinnamon. I don't know how they made something that is gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and actually tastes so good. Not to mention RX bars are ideal for gold diggers. We're busy and RX bars are perfect for breakfast on the go, snacks in the office, or throwing in your bag for a plane ride. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere. I am personally obsessed with the coconut chocolate bar. It tastes like a sweet treat, but I know I'm giving my body whole ingredients. If you want to try my favorite flavor or any of the other varieties, get 25% off your first order at rxbar.com slash gold digger and use a promo code gold digger at checkout. That's rxbar.com slash gold digger promo code gold digger. We all know that I am such an advocate for lifelong learning and that's why I love Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, and so much more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or build your own business, Skillshare will keep you at the forefront of your field. I also love that it's a subscription-based service, kind of like Netflix, but for courses. Pay one flat rate and unlock classes in every topic you can imagine. I went to the Skillshare site and I absolutely loved what I saw. I took a class in abstract art and doodling for iPads. Like seriously, I had so much fun tapping into my creative side while gaining a new skill I was so excited about. I have about 15 others that I can't wait to dig into from classes in social media marketing, graphic design, web development, you name it, they've got it. Whatever I'm looking to learn, Skillshare ensures that I'm learning and growing. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for you. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering Gold Digger listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, head to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger. 
The number four of the things that I have learned from those bad experiences is haters on Instagram. And if you listen to this show, it is no surprise to you that you know that I've gotten my share of hate on a lovely app that we are all obsessed with called Instagram. It's nothing new. It's nothing that really needs to be talked at at length, but it's absolutely taught me so much about running a business and having a platform and knowing how to respond when nasty things are said to you or about you. From being called fat to being blasted for being a scammy saleswoman, I have gotten hit with my share of nasty internet trolls. I think a lot of times people can't believe that it happens, especially to me. Or maybe when you hear someone else talk about these situations, you want to shake them and tell them, just focus on all of the good. Don't give them that attention or energy they want. But when it's actually happening to you and you feel personally attacked, it feels so different. And so I have learned so much about growing a platform and dealing with the haters and responding to that negativity and rising above it. And here are a few things that it's taught me. You know, those people that have like a million followers online, they've also got thousands of haters. And so before you think that they are just living the dream, remember that every single person is facing adversity. And I honestly don't envy people like the Kardashians who get so much hate on everything they post. Like I know for me, I still manage my feed. So I am in control of the captions, the images, the comments. I respond to you guys. I I check my DMs. I see all that stuff. And so I know a lot of times people think, oh, those people with those big platforms, they're not even running them anymore. But I can tell you the majority of the people that I know We are running them ourselves and we are seeing all of that and we're seeing all of the good, but we're also seeing the negative. Now, I have learned that you have to fight the urge to fight back. Like seriously, give people who leave you the love more attention than the haters. But if you are going to respond, I do this often, do so in love. Oh, I know you're rolling your eyes like Jenna, seriously, but here's what I've learned. Hurt people like to hurt people. And for me, I know when I first see those nasty things, I either A, want to delete them so nobody else sees them and thinks them about me, or B, respond and just get super, super defensive. But you have to figure out how you want to rise above that. And I've learned a ton. I used to delete those nasty comments because I think deep down I was insecure and embarrassed and now I leave everything up. But you have to be careful because if you have a true tribe like I do, your tribe will come to your defense and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And people often stand up for us when somebody leaves negative words on our feeds. But at the same point too, it can almost become this reverse bullying, which is something that I don't want to promote or condone either. A lot of times I'll respond and I'll just clarify what that person is trying to say through their comment, whether they're commenting about my weight or my diet or my marriage or my education. I want to know where they're coming from so that I can actually respond. But I like to try to kill them with kindness, something I've learned. It's something I believe in. It's something my mama taught me. And sometimes people will say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was having a really bad day and I took it out on you. And other times they stick to their guns. They really don't like you. 
A lot of times I just choose to not delete it, let my tribe see how I rise up. And trust me, if you do have a true community, they will go to bat for you. Just make sure that you're kind of protecting your entire feed from bullying all around. But a lot of times I'll decide to shoot the person a private direct message to show them that I noticed their comment and I want to start a dialogue. You might learn something new or at least remind them that there is an actual human on the other side of the screen in case they tend to forgot that. It was funny the other night Drew had posted a photo and he was talking about me in his caption and apparently he said something that offended a few people because he called me a guy's girl, which I'm not offended by it, but I think some women maybe were taken aback by that. I don't really get it, but maybe it's true. And I remember reading some people that were kind of putting him down on that comment and I like got so defensive for him, like way more defensive than I get when somebody does that on my own feed. Because I'm like, do you know him? Like he is the most inclusive, incredible man in the world. And he loves strong women and he celebrates strong women. And it was just so funny because I was out for a girl's night with my mom and sisters. We went to a movie and I was heading home and I got home and I pulled up his little post and he's like, did you see what happened? And I'm like, no. And I started reading all these women that were so angry at my husband. And I was like, I want to protect you from this. Like, this is not fair. Why are they saying these things? Like they don't understand. And it really just reminded me too, like, we have to give people grace. And one thing that I think we both struggle with is like, we feel this heavy responsibility. We have platforms, but guess what? We're still imperfect humans. And that's why we have these platforms is because we've always kept it real and we've always been authentic in that. And so it was just really funny because I'm like, babe, do you feel this way when you see people comment nasty things on mine? He's like, all the time. Like, I want to go to bat for you more than I want to go to bat for myself. It was just a really big reminder that, you know, haters going to hate, but it's all about how you rise up and really just show your true colors in those really hard situations. And no matter how kind you are, there are always going to be people who just want to get attention or rise out of you. And so it's so important to not just give them that joy. So if you do need to block them, do it and move on because it is your platform and you are in control of the kind of energy that you let into your life. I've only blocked a handful of people ever, and it's the people that just continually throw hate my way that that sincerely don't take the time to read or to understand, or if they attack anything beyond me and my body, like I will not stand for people attacking my family, my lifestyle, my marriage. So that's where I draw the line. I say, sorry, we're going to go separate ways now. It's gone a little too far. Now, the last one is one that I have done an entire show on, and that's about being copied. And if you've ever been copied as an entrepreneur or in the projects that you're working on, it is a really, really hard thing to walk through. And oftentimes you feel incredibly alone. And so if you have been through this and you want to hear more about my experience, go to episode number 47, what to do when you've been copied, where I walk you through some examples. But 
Episode 47 is devoted to being copied because if it's ever happened to you, you know how much it truly sucks. And I've honestly had some really crazy experiences when it comes to people copying, whether it was something that just felt a little fishy to being ripped off word for word on an hour-long webinar. I've been through it all, and I've actually kept really quiet about all of these because it doesn't really get you anywhere to blast anyone else. One circumstance that absolutely derailed me for more than a few years was after I started mentoring other photographers. Now, I've shared this story before, but I remember sitting at a local bar with one of my friends. We were eating nachos and drinking margaritas, and she was one of the most talented photographers I knew. And we were just talking about the industry and what we had on our plate. And I remember her saying, I have to go update my resume because I cannot make it as a wedding photographer. And I just didn't understand it. I I didn't get what I had done so differently because in three years, I'd built a six-figure wedding photography business and I didn't get how other people weren't finding profits in it. And it was around that time that I decided maybe I should just start sharing some of this. Like maybe I can help other talented photographers truly make a living doing what they love. Like if my friend who is wicked talent can't even make it in this industry, how do we expect anyone to? And so I decided to start mentoring other photographers and I would spend anywhere from an hour a day with a local photographer to an entire day with them and open up my entire process, giving them access to all the resources I had created for my own business and sharing everything that I had believed had led me to a six-figure photography business while living in a tiny town. And in one circumstance, I had shared everything with a girl I was mentoring from my email templates to my pricing guide, only to find out an entire year later that she had used my templates word for word, but had chosen to undermine my prices by a few thousand dollars. And I only found this out because a bride had inquired with both of us and noticed that our templates were the exact same and that our emails were the exact same. And she called her out on it with me CC'd on the email. And I remember I was in Chicago for an anniversary weekend with Drew and I got this message and I was like, oh my goodness, I could not believe this had happened. I was so disappointed. I was so crushed. I was so hurt that not only had she taken advantage of what I had given her, but also that she had been undermining me by pricing herself way lower than I was in the same market with the same exact templates and stealing business from me. And I was tempted to hire a lawyer because I knew that her decisions had ultimately impacted the bottom line of my business. We ended up settling out of court and she ended up fulfilling terms that I had set, which included paying me for loss of income. But this one situation sidelined me from ever wanting to teach again. It literally made me rethink everything and held me back from sharing anything for a few years. It's really scary to think that I would have continued to let that fear win because it was strong and I was fragile. Thankfully, a few years later, I started to open up again and started to share because my heart really did believe in community and not competition. But after being burned so intimately, it really made me question if I could share information with the true hopes of helping others. 
I've also had a girl rip off my entire website from page to page. I've had an industry friend launch a website that looked almost identical to mine. I've had people take my watercolor work and sell it without permission. And I want for you to know these things. Like if you've ever been through any situations like this, you are absolutely in the right to defend your business but you have to be 110% sure that the copying was intentional, that it was known, and there aren't just a few similarities. You need to have an extra set of eyes to help you decipher if you're being overly sensitive or if it's an intentional case of copying. I've had a few friends text me and say, oh my gosh, I think this person is totally ripping me off. When I go to look Sure, I'll see similarities, but I don't see direct copying. And I think one of the hardest things these days is that we're all consuming so much content. We're all consuming blogs and Instagram posts and websites and Facebook posts. And some of our language starts to sound the same. And some of our images start to look similar. And it's so hard to draw that line between consuming and creating. And so it's really easy to feel like you're being copied when it actually might be unintentional. But I have learned that you have to take the high road and remove the emotions. One of the biggest things after being copied is that you're likely emotional because you genuinely care about your work. But the thing about being copied is beyond the emotions, it can ultimately impact your business and your income. So when you are copied, you have to remove that emotional side of it and look at it from a more business and income standpoint. And trust me when I say this, this is so hard to do, but I've really learned how to approach these situations in a much less emotional way. So what I do is like screenshot everything so that you can actually look and see a side-by-side comparison. Are you being copied? Do you have proof in case denial happens? And in the best cases, I've shared the side-by-sides, address the issues so that it is clear why I believe I'm being copied. And then I share the request that I would like to be changed so that we can stand out. Now, I think it's so important to do your absolute best to preserve that relationship. And I think that it's really important that if you can remove the emotions and approach it from a, here's what I noticed, here are my concerns with this, I would love to work with you to remedy this situation and move forward because I have seen so many friendships that are lost over this. And so it's important to really aim to preserve that relationship. I'm not saying you guys need to be best friends, but if you show up at that same industry event, you can be cordial and kind to one another. And don't harvest bitterness. Like if you approach it and they deny you, you have a few options. I share some of them in that entire episode about being copied, but you can let it go. And that's what I choose to do. Like actually let it go. Use it as a challenge to change up your own stuff. If it's really impacting your business, then hire a lawyer to help you. Once again, lawyers saving the day. But I have never had to actually hire a lawyer because I'm being copied on something. I've been able to either address it or let it go. And I think those are the best options for you. And lastly, just keep your head down and do your best work. Because at the end of the day, there is only one you. And when you truly believe that the threat of being copied suddenly seems minor and you know what you got to do in terms of focusing on shining your light that only you can shine. I don't know why, but if any of you guys watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette, 
this just popped into my head. But you know when there are two castmates, this happens on every season, who get so consumed with one another that they forget that they're actually there to find love. And ultimately, it totally destroys their relationship because they're so obsessed with that competition. You can't be like that when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I think sometimes when we feel like we're being copied, we become those people. And instead of actually looking at the clients that we could serve, we're so focused on that person that we believe is copying us or ripping us off that we are trying to do things for them instead of actually doing things for our clients. And so it is so important that we focus on the biggest goal, which is serving people well and Let me tell you, there are so many days where I know I'm being copied, but I just kind of put my head down and know I'm in a league of my own and I have to keep pushing forward. And if I let these people stop me from getting my message out into the world, ultimately, I'm not the one who suffers, but the people who enjoy my content are the ones that are going to miss out. And I take that responsibility really, really heavily. So there you guys have it. I mean, I have had a bajillion bad client experiences that have shaped me. And let me tell you, there are countless times that can't be covered in just one episode. But if you've learned anything, it is that you can move forward. You can learn you can grow, you can be stretched, even from the crappy stuff. And the truth is, is that no matter what type of business you own, you will face those critics and the stuff that makes you want to throw up or throw in the towel. And maybe you roll your eyes whenever someone says, I still wouldn't trade that for the world because it taught me how to move forward. But it's true. Those hard times challenge you. And they make you learn how you can be better, do better, and serve better. And I've learned a lot in my seven years as an entrepreneur and can only imagine that every day I will keep learning. And so whether you are riding high right now or questioning everything you're going through today, I want you to know and remember and trust and believe that you are doing a great job and that you are destined to keep doing big things and that you cannot shy away from the call you have received. Now, I am all about keeping it real, and I hope that in today's episode, in sharing some of these nasty things or these bad experiences or these mega fails, I have taught you that not everyone has it figured out, and we don't have it all together, and we all fall short and mess up, but it is all about how you get back up and keep moving forward. Now, until next time, gold diggers, I want for you to keep digging your biggest goals. And guess what? You're going to trip up along the way, but that's okay. All you have to do is ask yourself, what am I trying to be taught right now? What is the universe teaching me? How can I move forward and do better next time? I'll talk to you guys soon. I hope that you love today's show. And I'd love to hear if you guys have any bad experiences yourself. Hop into the Gold Digger Facebook Insiders group. It's an amazing community filled with other listeners. Or of course, find us on Instagram at Gold Digger Podcast. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.